We've got some Hey, I'm Luis. And I'm Luis. And you're listening to the Content is Profit podcast. And we spent the last four years learning the strategies and techniques from some of the top marketers in the world on how to create content that turns into profit. If you'd like to learn how to turn that content into profit, just go to contentsprofit.com. Oh, yeah, baby. Oh, yeah, guys. Today's a special day. Yeah, tell me more. Yes, tell me, tell me why. It's a special day because we are at the new office slash studio slash home. We actually move home because I know. Guess what? It's way more convenient than driving 30 minutes every single day. Well, for you, it was like 30 minutes. For me, it was like two hours because I had to drop the baby off, pick the baby off, and it was just. Uh, I also have a, a Jeep, so like paying a, like okay, a third. Okay, rent. okay, don't get just cocky saying, now. Don't, don't get saying, cocky now. Just saying. Guys, today. Tell me more. We have an incredible guest and an incredible topic. How to turn daily content into a book. Ah, This is going to be exciting. This is so good. I think a lot of people know about turning content into books. I, I feel like mainly, you know, Tim Ferriss, Tool of Titans, all those books that he has done. But do we know the inside job? What actually goes into creating these books? I'm very interested. Today we're going to find out. Yeah, I'm very interested in the leverage side of things because we talk about leverage every single time. And it's like if it's a piece of content that then we cannot use in a different way or multi-purpose, right? We're probably not going to produce that piece because we need to leverage the content of today, especially so easy to distribute nowadays. So Yes, yes, yes. Yes, yes, yes. All right, Fancy, do we have a sponsor today? Indeed we do. Tell me more. And since we took a little bit longer, I'm going to keep it short and sweet today. Oh, yes. If you want to quit the creator hustle, right? Then we are here for you with Content Momentum. Today's a sponsored and we want to help you out leverage your time and yes. effort in creating more impact. So slide into the DMs That's right. at BizBrosco on Facebook, on Instagram. Let's go. And that goes from do it yourself because now we have also workshops going on mm. every single month. And oh, we also have a service. Every single month? Well, we talked about it every month. But <laughs> the first one is May 1st. So if you listen to this before May 1st, just feel free to reach out and send us a DM. And uh, yeah, on top of that, go ahead and subscribe. Follow the podcast in your favorite platform and so social media too. What's happening? New studio. I don't know what I'm saying. All right. At BizBrosco, every <laughs> for your golden boulders that is right and please the one thing we ask you is if you find today's episode impactful and it helps you move one step forward towards your goal or somebody that you know it helps them move one step forward towards the goal please 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 share this podcast with them and don't forget to leave a five-star review. Thank you. Some of you know about our life before content is profit. Yes, you remember it, right? Fonzie was swole lifting a hundreds like nothing. <laughs> and I was running a couple of fitness studios called Orange Theory Fitness. And talking talking about... No, and taking And taking on. on some of the toughest challenges in the world. The good old days. Jeez, I should Jesus have put... Christ. And taking on some reading lessons. That's what I should have put um, in there. I mean, you changed my entire intro, Fonzie. <laughs> you changed it Today's all. Today's guest played a big role... During that part of our life, and we recently connected through the 45 Live Challenge, which, if I may add, he crushed it. But wait, there's more. He actually decided to use the 45 Live to launch his new book. <gasps> Say what? Is today's guest an author? 
Yes, he is. Not just an author, he has been in the fitness industry for 18 years, he's spoken in national stages multiple times, and has owned and operated multiple businesses. His goal is to provide relatable and digestible content for readers or for leaders to serve their teams and themselves better. Talk about impact. Yeah, that's oh, right. But you know yeah. what? It is good that they say leaders are readers. <laughs> Please I welcome know. author of the 10 minute leadership and, of course, relentless leader himself, Heath Ellenberger. What's up, Heath? What's up, guys? How are you? Pretty good, man. Pretty yeah. good. I like the the background in there with your book, the ten minute leadership. Let's yes. go. For those watching right now, is the one in the middle that's like facing the camera. Clearly, just saying, <laughs> just, just in case you were asking. The only one you can read. <laughs> the only one you can read. Just saying. I mean, I'm just trying to help the audience here, man. All right, dude, Heath, we're honored to have you, man. Welcome to the show. So fun. No, I I am honored to be on. I uh, I tell you guys all the time. I am so proud of what you guys have done, and uh, I'm honored to be on. To be honest. <laughs> Thank you, Thank man. You, man. Appreciate it. You, you experienced the full on roller coaster <laughs> on the on this intro right now. All, all the mistakes, you know. We we preach, you know, it, it's lessons. They're not mistakes. They're lessons, They're lessons, right? And at first, we were afraid to go live because we're like, oh, what if we make a mistake? What are people gonna say about that, right? Guess what? We learn to embrace these things. And today, with you, we test them all. <laughs> we test them all, uh, dude. Heath, for those who don't know you, I mean, clearly we go way back. Uh, you know, personally, we you know we live in the same area, same city. And uh, but for those who don't know you and are listening to you for the first time today. Do you want to tell us a little bit of like, who are you? Uh, a little bit of your backstory and like, how, like, how do you end up doing this, this amazing book that you have now? Oh yeah. So I guess we'll go back to high school, man. Uh, like, like two years ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I grew up, I moved around a lot as a child, so I never really, uh, we were kind of moving around. My dad's a minister, so kind of bouncing place to place and ended up in a, a school in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, or just outside Pittsburgh. And I got really into football. We had a great program there. And then we ended up moving my sophomore year to a uh, high school in the middle of Pennsylvania, which was like, you know, backwoods, just country. It's Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania. So the groundhog that comes out and, you know, that's yeah. where I graduated high school from. So I did <laughs> Junior high, or I did. Uh, I was a junior and a sophomore in, uh, or a senior. I'm sorry, in uh, Punxsutawney, and football wasn't really their specialty. Uh, <laughs> and you know, I I got out of football and got really into weight training because so I really loved that part of of football. And so, as I started doing more of that, I started to see like the evolution. And when you like, when I really got disciplined into it, and it was like probably a year and a half into like really getting into it deep. I was like, man, I want to, I want other people to experience this. And yeah. I was like, can, is there a job out there? Cause you know, when you're in high school, you don't really know what jobs are. You're like, what, you know? <laughs> so I, uh, I started looking around doing some search and, and that was like when the internet first came out really. And yeah. so, you know, um, I found out about personal training. So I got certified my, right after I graduated, like the month after I graduated, I got certified uh, personal trainer. I started doing it at 18 and did it through college um, and really found out that this was the path I wanted to go on. And so I've been doing fitness since 2003. 
and in uh, and, and the kind of the professional setting where I've been training people. And, uh, you know, over the years, I tell people like motive and motivation are different. So mm-hmm. your motive should remain the same. So my motive is impacting people in a positive way. But the motivation for that has changed over the years. So mm-hmm. the depth of it grows. So before it was impact the person that I'm training one on one. And now it's impact the people that are impacting others. So that why I wake up is different, but why I do what I do has kind of remained the same. Interesting, man. That's that's really cool. I, I like that motive versus motivation. I think is a uh, people don't think about it, but it's kind of like a natural path that people take, right? Like you're evolving as a human and all these things. And I'm I'm extremely curious, right? Uh, as we evolve, we always also encounter challenges, right? And I'm sure you've had plenty throughout your journey, right? What has been that one challenge that you think it was like, this is it, right? I don't know if I want to keep doing this and helping people in this way, maybe, right? Or maybe a change of career or something, something that made you probably dodge yourself a little bit. Man, I've had a lot of challenges, but never one that made me question whether I was doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had challenges that have caused me to think differently and change my approach or change uh, course, but I've never had one that really threw me off the rails and was like, you know what? I'm going to completely make a U-turn and try something different. Uh, maybe it was a fear of, you know, I only know fitness, so like maybe I can't do anything else. Um, but never never really made me question whether I was doing the right thing. I feel that that comes from kind of the innate kind of feeling of like, I feel like this is my purpose here is to help people mm-hmm. in whatever arena that may be. And so again, that's changed over the years, but there hasn't really been a, a defining moment that I was like, man, I should probably go do something different. Now, don't get me wrong. I've had days where I'm like, this is freaking it. I'm done. done. I'm yeah. going to go work for Pepsi. You know? But <laughs> yeah. um, I think we all have those days. And I think if you yeah. don't, uh, you're probably not really passionate about what you're doing because you're not pouring enough in to really get frustrated. Mm. You know, uh, I think people that are super passionate about what they do, because they put so much love and energy and emotion into what they're doing, they get those frustrated days where they're like, you know what? I'm done because you poured so much in. Yeah. Uh, but if you just show up to a job and you have a bad day, eh, oh, well, like, cause you're not fully invested. You're not fully committed. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I, lo- I love that of maybe if you don't get frustrated, maybe you're not like put pouring in enough. Right. And yeah. you know, it's that commitment that we do with ourselves and with what we're trying to do, right. That we have so much invested that if things don't go maybe the way we, we want to, it's a little bit frustrating, but I like what you said of kind of like that unwavering will of this is what I'm going to do and this is what I'm going to continue to you know pursue. I think it's very important for people because I feel it's like a good food for thought on am I actually doing something that I would enjoy doing for the rest of my life, right? Because if we are consistently doubting, maybe that means like, hey, Maybe we're not doing something that we're meant to be to be doing. Yeah, I mean, look, look at you guys, man. I mean, I have I have three brothers, and I'm sure you guys fought growing up. And it's like, I think, and and like your your wife and my, you know, I'm married. And it's like the people that are closest to us when we fight, we feel bad because you know we have that strong connection with them. 
It's yeah. like sometimes when you get frustrated at work, you know, you do feel a certain way about it because you love what you do. But, you know, you can meet a stranger on the road and, you know, <laughs> yell at them or whatever. Don't feel any kind of way about it because you have no, no, no connection to that person. But yeah. again, I think works the same way as if you get frustrated because you have that special connection. So um, it's just the relationship that you have with work and people. Um, so anyways, yeah, I, I, I love it. Thought. Keith, I remember a conversation that we had maybe maybe a couple of years ago where you were telling me a little bit about when you started your own your first fitness studio, right? And uh, and it was kind of like your your own baby, right? And then you transitioned into the the company and working for somebody else, and then you know now it's a mix of both, right? With the franchises now, um, there's a lot of people that listen to the show that might be in a in a crossroad where they they might be in a job, right? They might. They might feel a little passionate about it, but or or not, and and they want to build something on their own. Now that you've been on both sides, right? What are what are some lessons that that you can you know bring to those person that might want to take that jump from from a job to something that they want to tackle on their own or kind of on the entrepreneur side of things, right? And uh, do you see any advantages of of either, right? Because you know we've also been in both, right? We I started working for somebody else, right? And and then I transitioned into working for Fonzie, basically. Uh, so, <laughs> that was right, that was right. Get it, get it right. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, it, you know, what What are some of the challenges? What are some of the lessons of either or? Um, Man, it's probably a, so many that I can't even remember. <laughs> so uh, let, let's get to, let, let's go by the book, basically, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, go by, yeah, go by the book. <laughs> um. You know, working for yourself is rewarding, but also can drive you crazy, uh, especially if you're a perfectionist or if you're somebody who is always kind of get second guessing certain moves. Um, luckily, that's not me. I'm I'm more of an impulsive person, so uh, that's not good either. I think uh, you know you have to have a balance, which is why uh, I'm super thankful for my wife Faith because. Yeah she does have more of that discernment kind of element. And I'll talk about that later. But uh, for me, working for myself was, uh, was a lot of lessons learned about how to run a business. And, and um, you know, I, I hate to say I learned how to grind because I always felt like I was a grinder, mm. but you never truly know how hard you grind until you're sitting in an empty room that you just dropped all of your savings on which wasn't a lot, by the way, and you have no equipment and you're just in this big, empty, like murder shack of a warehouse. And you're like, okay, I either do it or I don't eat. And so like, once you can take that safety net away, that's for me, the big, the big lesson I took away, like when I first started the business was like, okay, the safety net's gone. I have to perform. There's no choice. And mm -hmm. if I don't perform, I don't eat and potentially lose, lose a lot. And Uh, that's where I, that's where I learned kind of just super, be, how to be super disciplined, how to be super driven. Uh, I always felt like I was, but until you don't have that net to fall back on, you really straighten up and your posture becomes stronger, uh, yeah. because you have to, when you're on that tightrope by yourself and there's not, there's nothing going to catch you, your posture becomes stronger. You become more rigid and focused. Yeah. Wow. So that that um, resonates a lot that resonates yeah, a lot yeah I, i mean we we've been in that position with no safety net whatsoever um you know i would even say 
we didn't have the safety the safety net and, and then somebody we, and somebody pushed us down too. pushed us down so, so, and, then, and then we yeah. just digged a little bit more went a little bit deeper and made like yeah this is a good place to start right for us it was actually when my brother left otf um he had like he he asked for a loan and we were you know we had this plan the money set out for like a year so we that's safety net right but at the same time it's debt so there's a little bit of pressure there And we went to this event like that week after after he he stopped working for OTF, and at the event they pitched a twenty five thousand dollar product. Guess what? Our safety net was gone. No, right? No more. Yeah, and, and to give a little bit of context <laughs> with people, the guy that pitched the the mastermind, right? What he was offering his mentorship is someone that we had been following for over a year, and we had. A lot of trust in that person. We wanted to learn from that person. And the fastest path to, you know, proximity was to be in his mastermind. So we invested and man, the amount of pressure that we felt like first, you know, if we have to name the symptoms, symptom number one is an <laughs> immense amount of sweatiness in your armpits. Let me tell you, that's when you, that's when you know that you are like, there's no safety net whatsoever. But guess what? If we wouldn't, if we wouldn't have put ourselves in that position, I don't think we would be here today at all. Yeah, I mean, and and don't get me wrong. I mean, that was a very studied like decision. Like that was we mm -hmm. were like Fonzi said a while back, and then an execution is is the difference there, right? Like because yep. you could pay the the most amount of money. Like for example, for you was investing your savings into that space, but if you don't execute, that's it. You don't eat, right? You said the same thing. For us, it was the same thing. I was probably not gonna eat and I probably would have been divorced by now. Uh, so, um, you know, execution is a big thing. And then when you make that transition into a business owner or, you know, entrepreneur full time, right? Where you have to start building those systems and processes, right? And adding people. And I think this is a great transition to what, what you do now, right? Like when, when you become that entrepreneur and you wanna scale, You're gonna need the help of somebody else, right? Uh, you know, the, the laptop life is fantasy, doesn't exist. You cannot do it on your own, it's impossible, right? So, when you start adding those team members, right? We recently lived it uh, a few months back, right? When now, now we, we're very fortunate to have a team, but then you have to become a leader, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and then some people probably didn't experience a leadership moment before right maybe us that we were in sports you were in fitness right like you let people through workouts right you you had your own business you had to 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 inspire other people right so, so you had an element in there when you first started we as soccer players you know there's there's a leadership aspect to it when you're a captain of a team or when you lead a training or something or a warm-up right there's elements in there but for those that are never experienced that right what What can they expect, right? Or maybe they experience just a little tiny bit, but when they start that business and they start to build that team and they, they start to become a leader, what, what can they expect, Heath? Um, they can start to expect pressure. And I think you said it earlier, Fonzie, is you, know, you have that pressure to perform. Uh, but now people are relying on you other than you. And I think a lot of times in an entrepreneurial setting, you know, like Luis has his wife and, and your kid, it's like, they're relying on you. It's, but now when you're carrying the weight of a team, they're relying on you to make sure that you are leading the correct way, that you're making the right decisions and that you are, you have everyone's best interests at hand. So you can expect to 
if you don't feel pressure, shame on you. And in a setting, in, in a position of leadership, you know, especially when you're leading a team, it, it's like, you know, it, if you don't feel like everyone is, is, is relying on you and you're, and you're kind of at the front, kind of pulling people along, uh, yeah, you, you're probably not in the right position. One of my biggest fears is like letting somebody down today. Cause I'm not going to be able to talk to everybody on my team today. It's, it's almost impossible to do that on a daily basis just cause there's a lot of them. Yeah. And my biggest fear has been that I, did I let somebody down today? So I had to kind of change that framework in my mind to say like, okay, the interactions that I did have today, did I give 150% in those interactions? Cause I could probably call everybody and it would be 60%. Yeah. So it's like, why sacrifice percentage points for quantity? Why not focus on the quality of the interaction? Because I have seven days in a week that I can I can have those interactions. So uh, I think the pressure to the pressure to perform for others is there, but also just the um, the for me letting other people down that's my biggest fear on a daily basis and yeah. so i just i had to change that in my mind to to really overcome that pressure yeah man that that is such a huge pressure i, I feel personally like in the last six months is when i become more aware of that um like my brother said right like i feel like the only leadership role that i've had in my life uh besides maybe certain group projects at school <laughs> you know <laughs> where like was like soccer. Sometimes I was picked as the captain of the team and you have pressure of leading the team, right? But what it is honestly is nothing compared to having literally the livelihood of others in your hands, right? Like when they depend on you to uh, close deals, like bring the money to the table, like there's a mm -hmm. lot of pressure. And I think one of the most important moments for me to realize that And it's a moment that I'm gonna like remember forever was this past Christmas when we usually have a call where we do like gratitude every every month uh, sorry every morning we do uh, gratitude rounds everybody says something what what they're grateful for and in Christmas everybody was you know sharing how a year ago they were like struggling in Christmas and now they were happy because they could spend it with their loved ones and they could buy them presents and stuff like that. And, you know, I'm not saying all 100% of that is thanks to us, but we have influenced their, their circumstances at the moment. And I was like, wow, that's incredible, right? And the fact that they're depending on us and that they're trusting us with more of these experiences, right? Because that's why they're working for, you know, for not for, but with us, right? They're part of the team. It's absolutely amazing, like the trust that they that they have in us, and I think that that moment hit me. I was like, "Oh man, like this is for real now," you know. Um, so moving moving forward, like obviously that's part of the when we have like bad news in the business, it's like, "Oh, the team," you know, like we got <laughs> we gotta carry through for the team. It's like you're saying that like you don't want to let people down. And what I'm curious about on this, it might be honestly like a selfish question. Is like, how do you deal with that, right? How do you deal with you know, besides massive action, besides taking action and try to do things right, how do you deal with that pressure on 
I don't want to let my my people down, right? Uh, how do you deal with? Because I'm sure a lot of people have given up in that road of oh man, like so many people rely on me, I can't do it anymore. How do we stay aligned with you know within our our vision and mission and core values to actually you know grow our team, grow our leadership, uh, leadership. I said it twice and I said yeah. it, I feel like it twice I said it, yeah. but how, how do we, you know, stay aligned? Uh, so it took me a while to kind of figure this out and I don't know why it's be, I'm not the smartest guy in the world. So that's probably why. Uh, but I had to think back to like, just me as a person, I'm a human being. So therefore I'm created imperfect. I'm gonna, I'm innately going to let somebody down every day. It's a, it's impossible because I'm not perfect. Now I can try to prevent that, but there's going to be somebody who I don't know about that wants to talk to me or wants to hear from me or needs something that I have no idea about. And I let that person down. So it's, it's something that I probably can't even control. Yeah. Um, and so I had to kind of make peace with the, with the fact that like, I'm gonna let somebody down and that's okay because I'm not perfect. However, I can strive to to make all these changes and put all these systems in place. And no matter how many systems and processes and all this stuff you have in place, it's still imperfect. And no matter how <laughs> no matter how great you think it is, there's still something broken about it. It doesn't mean that the whole system's broken. It just means that that somebody's gonna fall through the cracks and That for me was, it, it was hard to, to kind of stomach for a couple of years of like knowing that, you know, especially when I was working for corporate and I had like 40 locations that I was responsible for, um, it was impossible to like daily have that positive impact, that mo go back to my motive. And so that's really kind of where the book was birthed from was yeah. being able to, to touch base with those people at least once a week. Um, and have some sort of little moment with them. But uh, but I think, Fonzie, to answer your question, is like making peace with the fact that I'm not perfect. I'm going to let somebody down. And, and look, people that are in leadership positions, unfortunately, have to make unpopular decisions. Mm. You're never going to make a decision that's going to make every single, not everyone in your organization is like, woo, I'm glad you did that. Yeah. There's always going to be something somebody doesn't agree with. And that's okay. And yeah. you have to just make peace with that. Um, as long as you know you didn't intentionally do it to hurt somebody, uh, and that's obviously never the goal. Unfortunately, people may think that it is. And yeah. again, I think especially right now, everyone's perception is their reality. Um, but as long as you do it with the purest intentions and you know that that's what your your main goal is, is to uh, impact people in a positive way and, and, and the decisions we're making are, are, are leading that direction, then... Um, You know, that that piece of like letting people down makes me feel better that we're doing it with pure intentions. Yeah. Yeah. I, I relate so much to that, Heath, because, you know, and I think maybe it's the way that we got raised back home. You know, our, our dad was always like never look for trouble. Right. Always be humble, like always like be very positive. Our mom was like be positive all the time. Right. And 
And that has transitioned a little bit of like, okay, are we running these decisions through a framework? Like, what is it? Like, what is the higher purpose that we have now, right? And and personally, I had, even when, when working with OTF, right? Like I, I had a team, maybe like 15 people uh, within at the, at the Hodges location, right? That, that's a decent sized team, right? And sometimes yeah. the decisions that we had to make there uh, on a daily basis were not the easy ones or, and, and I really, really struggle because I'm like, man, like I see these people every single day, right? But at the end of the day, it's like where, like, we're, we can be friends, but at the same time, like, is this hurting the business side of things, right? We're here to do business. We're here to to help people, like, in the fitness journey. And now on this side of things with Content's Profit and Content Momentum and the service that we offer, it's like what are, what we're doing is serving our clients to the highest of the ability, right? Yeah. So so we run it through those lenses, and sometimes, most most times the answer is yes, which is great, but sometimes the, that answer will be no. And we're like, okay, we got to revisit this and just making sure that we have clear expectations, not only internally for the team, but also for, for the clients, right? So I think that that also is a, is another phase of, of leadership, which um, I don't, th- I think people have to continue to develop that over over time, right? Like it is, it's never said and done. There's always gonna be challenges coming our way. And as we level up, these challenges are gonna seem harder and, and, and bigger, but where it, it, it helps us grow. So, um, I, I, I love the I love this topic because I don't think we've ever diving 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 no where dove dove wow today where today is my rough, English yeah. today this is uh, the thing this is the thing I think because we we move the studio and everything to the house and we're usually Spanish. speaking Spanish at the house or or, or, or microchip internal internally it's like, like what what am I supposed uh, to be speaking now yeah but but the the fact that we're talking leadership I, I love it and I think it's a topic we should bring on a little bit more often. Uh, but I want to make the transition now into Heath. Like you, you found a way to kind of communicate your ideas to your entire team in a da- on a daily basis, right? Like we on the marketing side of things, we're constantly like, how can we put our our our, our vision, our message in front of our clients every single day? Like that's what we do as a business, right? Like we multiply those points of contact. But at the same time, we have to turn around inside of our own company and be like, how do we sell the vision to our own company, right? We've had mm-hmm. plenty of those conversations inside of it. And, and I think what you've done is, is pretty incredible. And the fact that you also leverage that to then do something outside of your own company. So I wanna, I want you to kind of walk us through that thought process. Like, why do you decide to send those daily emails? Uh, is there a process that you walk through before sending those emails? Like, what was the evolution of that process? And then, obviously, explain to us a little bit on on why a book. Why, why a book? <clears throat> so, the why kind of came when I was working for corporate, and like I said, I had at the time we started out. I think I had like. 32 locations and we grew to like 38 and we were and we were just opening more uh i was with yeah. I was, was was orange theory corporate for almost three years and yeah uh, i wasn't responsible for sales operations and fitness kind of like all three of those those roles um kind of fell under me until we had brought some more people on to work on our team and so i saw everything from pensacola to Vero beach everything in between and so my my opportunity i felt was let's impact the people in those studios so they can go impact people that are walking in their doors so i'm like wow what a, what an audience to be able to drive roots deep and be able to impact so many people and that kind of gave a platform to be able to do that yeah. well as i started to kind of see the scope of like how almost impossible that was going to be to do that on a regular basis uh i was every sunday for me it's kind of like preview and review day 
Yeah. So I'm going to preview the week coming. And I'm going to review the previous week. And that what that allows me to kind of say like, okay, what from last week did I observe? Did I experience? Did I, did I hear that I could potentially help improve this week? And so as I was doing that, there were some common themes that I was seeing uh, in the region I was visiting and I was getting ready to go to another region. And I was like, you know what? I bet they're struggling with something that's something similar. So I wrote a quick email and just blasted it out to the entire region. Managers, head coaches, owners. And didn't get a response. Didn't I didn't really expect one. So I left on, I left on my trip, went to those region and came back, saw some other stuff, wrote another email. And so I did that about three weeks. And after about the third week, I started getting some a couple text messages. One manager called me, was like, hey, that was super helpful. Thanks so much for these emails. So I was like, okay, they are getting them and they are reading them. And then <laughs> one of the guys I used to work with, uh, he was like, hey, those emails are way too long. No one's ever <laughs> going to read them. They need to be shorter. It, why are you even doing them? It's just, it, like, it's not part of your job. And I was like, but it is part of my job. I At least I felt it was. And yeah, so I was yeah. like, you know what? Forget that. I'm going to keep writing them. And the the whole purpose behind it was, can I give people little, easy to digest, relatable nuggets that they can take into their week and that they can either impact their team, impact their business, or impact their members? And so that's what it's that's where it kind of started, and that evolved into kind of what it is now. And you probably, I probably did them with you guys when I was when I had first got here in 2019 when I kind of came back to the franchise side. Yeah. Um, I kind of continued that process. And uh, once COVID hit, that was when I was like, you know what? These are needed more than ever right now. Yeah. We need these little positive weekly touch points just to kind of keep everyone aligned. And so that's when they really took off. And these were never intended to become this. It was never intended. To, it was not that. It was... Yeah. Um, when we got shut down last March, Faith and I uh, went down because no one was allowed to travel. So uh, we stayed at a condo on the beach. Uh, one of our one of our partners has a condo down there. No one was staying in it. So we went down for a couple of days and we were taking a lot of walks and we were just talking and talking and having a, just some like real quality time that we hadn't had in a long time just because of, of work. Yeah. And I looked at her and I was like, hey, I'm going to write a book. And she was like, okay, like, and just like, just continue <laughs> talking because she's like, I, I have know, all these crazy ideas. Like, I know the one, I know there are those ideas. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Yeah. And so I get back to the apartment or the condo and I start writing. And the book is, that book's called Fishing for Leadership. Um, it's still a work in progress, but yeah. the minute we open, I'm probably like 10, 12 chapters in. Nice. Um, but the minute we open for COVID, that book was like last priority, but these emails continued. And yeah. I just had on my heart, it was like, book, you, you need to write a book. And it one day like slapped me. I was like, these, I have all of this content for years, just saved up, put this into a format that people can use. And that's really where it came from. Um, and, and where's the content come from? It comes from daily interactions I have. It comes from my dog eating out of the other dog's food dish <laughs> when he shouldn't be. And that email turned into like literally stop rogue turned into an email called better tasting. And it was about greener grass, you know, like, <laughs> so 
just taking things that I see on a daily basis and, yeah. or, or, or a regular basis and tying them into something people can relate to um, that they're like, oh, that makes a lot of sense in that format and applying it to their business. Yeah. Man, uh, well, first of all, dude, congrats. Congrats on that feat of, of, of publishing a book. It's yep. incredible. You know, we've, we've been on the phone a couple of times and uh, you've asked me, you know, Luis, when is your book going to come out, right? Like, and uh, so congrats. This, this is something that a lot of entrepreneurs kind of strive to, to, to go and do. And I love the creative way that, that you use it, right? Because these emails have daily value and, and lessons that literally anybody can apply. And you, you guys, you already tested, right? And I'm doing quotes here, your market with the leaders and the, and the people that you had. And now it's a possibility to multi-purpose the, those lessons yeah. and give it to somebody yeah. else. Yeah, I'm, go I'm gonna add here real quick. You, you're inspiring me right now because I've been talking about writing emails for a while and I've, I haven't been consistent with it. Like I have written a few emails and then like stop and then written another one. And now I'm like, this is cool because now in a strategic way of thinking is like I can write a whole book and just like divide everything that I want to that I want to write and still put it out in the world. Right. But the book is just the, the final organized version. And, yep. you know, for those that are that know the process that we do with content momentum is called macro to micro. Right. Which pretty much stands for micro macro content, this podcast into micro content. And what you're telling me about is the other way around is micro to, to macro, <laughs> right? It's like, what are yeah. the small pieces of content that I can use to create yeah. this, right? A book, a book is probably one of the, I don't know, in the, it, we've talked about the hierarchy of publishing. It's probably sits at the very, at the very top or one of the top channels, uh, mediums, right? Uh, of content is writing a book. So it just gives you a lot of credibility, uh, status. It, it, it helps you influence more people. So I'm like, I'm full of ideas right now. I have an inspiration. He, that, that, he is that so, was, so thank you, man. I really appreciate it. That was the secret plan. That was the secret good plan. Good job, yeah. Heath. Good job. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I, 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 I took this note earlier, Heath. I, I put write a book through email the, and structure it with people that are in the social media. So pretty much like I was thinking, huh, should we tell the plan to people outside and let us tell us what they want to hear? And at the same time, now we got a bunch of, you know, topics for the micro content Ooh, and baby. you start identifying and structuring your book. This is so cool. Co co hey, this is co so awesome. Content geek alert. All right, all right. All right. So Heath, I want to highlight something that you said at the very beginning that might have, you know, fl flown under the radar. If that's the right word, uh, I don't even know. Okay, so you said the first, as soon as you started writing, you had three weeks with no response. Three weeks. Mm -hmm. That's wow. a, that's a, that's almost a month, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. No response, but you kept going. And then one person wrote back, and then another one wrote back. This was impactful. Thank you. And then you kept going. You kept going. And now you've impacted you know hundreds. And then you have now books that that this book is I'm sure is gonna help thousands, right? So. It's the same thing that we encounter every single day with content, digital content, right? And and here's the thing, like with digital content, there's no the the bar is set very low as far as like execution, right? So it allows us to do those multiple points of contact every single day and, and practice that craft. So one, I mean I'm very interested in how was that transition from your head to to words or or type or the computer, right? From from you know, putting those words into thought uh, those thoughts into words. Oh my gosh, today. Um and then and then, um, kind of like you lived it again with 45 Live, 
and and yeah. that that was interesting. We had we had a conversation around it, right? Where you told me like, man, like I I thought I was gonna you know at the very beginning like this hype, and then there's a dip that happens all the time, and then you saw your neighbor coming out of your uh, of their house, and and they said something to you, right? So the process kind of repeated itself. But I think it was a little bit faster too. It was in it was in three weeks. So like, what was that process? You you mentioned like I I kept going because I I, I there's a higher purpose, right? So what would you say to people that are in the current situation? Maybe not a book, right? If there's a book, great. But maybe not a book. They they just want to start publishing. They you want to start putting their thoughts into words and putting it out there to the world. What is an advice that that you can tell them? Well, I don't even think it has to be. Like words on paper. If you're better on video, go on video. But like, if you have a message that you feel people need to hear and that will help people, get it out there. I don't care if it's text message or email or a video or knock on my door. Like, you know. But if you have a message that you are passionate about getting out to people that you feel is going to help, not it, it needs to help, not polarize. And so, you know then get that message out by any any means necessary and it, and look if you're great from from concept to content great you know uh, i think there's people that are that are naturally gifted with that uh, I, i never would use the word gifted to describe me uh, those were classes i thought like only like the smart kids went to and those were definitely not the classes i attended when i was in school uh, it was the gifted kid classes the other end of the spectrum maybe but um you know Uh, but if you have a if you have a message that you're passionate about and that you feel are is going to help, just get the word out there. I mean, some people are better on video and they're not great at typing out words. Yeah. That's fine. Just just make a video, take a picture. People express, mm -hmm. you know, words through pictures. Um, yeah. So I, that's what I would say is uh, don't don't limit yourself by maybe something that you feel that you have to put it into this exact, you know, framework. It doesn't have to be in words. It can be in whatever that whatever you're good at expressing uh, your message through. Yeah, um, yeah. that'd be the first thing I, I would say. Yeah, I I want to highlight the value of consistency here, right? Because um, you start to writing the those emails, like my brother said, right? Even after mm -hmm. having no answers, you start to writing it, and then thanks to that, you were able to complete this book. Right. And I think it's so important because that's where the key is, is on staying consistent. A lot of people just start things and they don't finish them. Right. And I'm guilty many <laughs> times. Right. I'm, I'm one of those people that are like, oh, I want to learn how to play guitar. And I go in like <laughs> all out for like a month or two. And then I'm like, okay, well, I, guitars is gathering dust in my room. Right. But and, and I'm that person that I like I'm very experimental. I'm like I love trying to learn everything. Right now my crazy is like trying to learn how to play tennis. Uh, so you're listening to this and you want to play a tennis match, let me know. But uh, you know, he's like I, I think it's so important that consistency, especially when it comes to talking about your message. And you need to be very passionate about to be able to stay consistent because it gets to a point where you're like, oh man, I'm repeating myself over and over and over again. Right. But guess what? You're the only one that listens to 100% of your message, but you still need to put it out there because when we think we're making too much noise, it's probably when we're actually starting to reach people out there. Right. So I'm curious, how did you stay consistent? I'm sure there's some, while well, we talk about the beginning motive and motivation, right. But mm -hmm. how do you stay consistent for longer periods of time so you can accomplish these things, right? So you can actually get real 
results and how how can you encourage the listener right that person that's on the other side uh telling that it's too difficult to be consistent with maybe their videos or their writing how do we keep them from, how do we keep them going well i don't know if it's if it's i'm disciplined or maybe just dumb uh but it's like i I'm going to tie this back to fitness. And and again, that's that's the language I've spoken for almost 20 years. Yeah. Uh you can't go in the gym today and expect to see results tomorrow. It's not going to feel great tomorrow and you're not going to see results tomorrow. But if you go the next day and the next day and the next day, eventually you don't see belt loop changes, but you'll start to feel better. You'll start to have more energy. So it's like little things start to change when you can stay disciplined to kind of following procedure. Yeah. And for me, that's just been something that's been so uh embedded in who I am as a person is like discipline. Uh and partly being dumb, but it's like maybe <laughs> I don't know when to move on. <laughs> uh and so you know, when I first started writing, it's like most people are like, "Oh, well, why don't you stop with after the first week?" Well, it's because that's not a good trial run. And it's like, well, why didn't you stop after the second week? Well, because I have more to say. Why did you have to stop at the third week? Maybe people don't want to hear what you have to say. Guess what? There's always somebody that that needs to hear something. Uh, yeah. I had a phone call with a with a girl uh, earlier today. I haven't talked to her probably over a year, and she was one of the very first people I met when I got involved in Orange Theory back in 2015, and. We've stayed very good friends throughout the like the the last six, almost six years, and you know when I was talking to her today, we were dealing with some of the same things. I feel like we're almost like two or three months ahead of her, and after the phone call today, she was like, "Man, my cup is overfilling right now." And and it's like, look, uh, we set this phone call up last week, and it, almost a week ago, and it's like you know people are like, well. You know, maybe somebody doesn't want to hear what I have to say. Somebody always wants to hear what you have to say if you're bringing value. If you're just bringing complaints, yeah, don't bother saying anything. Yeah. But if you're trying to improve somebody's situation, then somebody's always going to listen. Yeah. Absolutely. Um so I think discipline is the first thing and and partly just being dumb to everyone else's thoughts. Because yeah. I could have quickly listened to somebody and been like, "Oh, well, people won't read those." mainly that's the voice in my head. I'm I'm my own worst inner critic. Yeah. My my inner critic is so loud sometimes. I think I I spoke about in the book um you know kind of like that voice talking and that for me is what I have to overcome when I'm like okay like no one's going to read this or no what maybe they don't like this one. I can't tell you how many times I went back through these that I was like well maybe I should redo that one or maybe I should redo this one or maybe that one's not valuable enough. And it's like Those are the things that second guess. I don't really worry too much about what people say. Um yeah. I heard I heard somebody say one time, you earn fans and you earn haters, you pick your friends. Yes. Mm. You know, and so I've kind of taken that as like, you know what? I can't really control what people are going to say or think about me. Um yeah. all I can do is be who I am and be genuine at what I do and love what I'm doing and who I'm doing it for. And I and the rest of it if you can't get on board with that then that's okay. You know, um so uh be, stay disciplined and stay dumb to everything else. Yeah. That's what I would say. I love it. And I I really like what you mentioned there towards the end and I personally think first 
it's like a trade people start developing when they go into leadership positions. And second, I think it's a key important piece of being a good content creator, if we want to put it in, in those terms, in creating content. And it is that detachment from other people's opinions, right? I mean, we mentioned it before. Mm-hmm. As a leader, you're gonna have to do. Di- you're gonna have to take or make difficult decisions, right? That you know, as long as you your core values are aligned, your mission, vision, and you're doing it with the right intentions, you need to feel good about it. But there's a chance some people might not like it, right? And you can we cannot cater to everybody, unfortunately, right? Um, but we can cater to to the greater good or or, or that goal that we that we're pursuing. And with content, it's the same thing because when we're creating this content with our thoughts, we're putting our beliefs, because that's what we're doing when we're creating content, right? Like everybody uh, that they have their mission, their vision, right, is because they have a certain amount of beliefs that they want to, you know, maybe portray into the world. And when you're doing that, there's going to be some resistance from from other yeah. people, not, not, not only from other people. Sometimes, like you just mentioned, your inner critic, right? Like yeah. sometimes we are our biggest enemies and we need to, I'm not going to listen to this. I'm going to move forward. So it is so, so important for people to learn. Uh, and I'm not going to call it a trait because I don't think, I mean, a trait implies that you're born with it. I think so. Uh, but it's, I feel it's like an ability. Actually, it's a skill. You start, uh, yeah, kind of like learning to, you know what? I love myself. I, I know I'm doing this for the right for the right reasons. It doesn't matter if some people don't like it. Does the people that like it, is it actually helping them, right? Yeah. And I yep. think things change it from there. Because for us personally, when we started with content, I think that that was the moment uh, that things change than when we started actually being consistent because a lot at first there was a lot of inconsistency because of the the fear of judgment and all these things right like mm-hmm. it was that that attachment to other people's opinions and yeah I, I just see it's so important to move yeah. past that how, how do you de- how do you detach yourself from that I mean you, you mentioned right now kind of like, being dumb right about it. it's like it doesn't matter and being disciplined i think those are super important but i think when we face those inside fears are a little you know it's a little overwhelming sometimes how do people move past that so i want to i want to be clear i think on one thing is as a leader you can't become calloused though so mm. you you can detach from emotional feelings but you can't become calloused to empathy and sympathy So, you know, um, I tell people all the time, and I I might have even told Luis this one time, is employees aren't usually innately bad people. There's there's a such thing as a good person and a bad employee. There, you know, somebody who shows up late all the time, somebody who steals from you, like maybe that person is also not a good person. But, you know, there's a such thing as a good person, but a bad employee for you. They might be a great employee for somebody else. Yeah. So, um, you still have to carry a level of of compassion and empathy and sympathy, and those are human emotions. Business doesn't always have the same emotions. B- business emotions are very neutral, very uh, sterile, I think sometimes. But as a leader, you can't become calloused. You have to carry some compassion, empathy with you, but at the same time, you can't let it get to you. And I think a lot of times leaders will let that get to them 
And that's where you start to get into trouble because then you start to second guess like, oh man, you know, I, I made this decision before. I didn't like how it made me feel because of how this person felt. You can't let it get to you, but you still have to carry with you some of those human emotions because you're working with people. Now, if yeah. you're working with, you know, robots, that's different, yeah. you know? Um, but I think the, the thing with being consistent, uh, at least for me, uh, and, and again, I, I think it has to do a lot with how my brain works. Uh, like you said earlier, Luis, uh, or Fonzie, the, you know, breaking it into small sections. The reason it works so well for me to do that is because I'm not a tenacity person. I can't sit down and finish a long project. I can start a hundred projects. I'm freaking great at that. Uh, because my brain's just onto the next thing, onto the next thing, onto the next thing. So that's why these emails work great for me when I'm creating content because it's quick. I can get yep. it done and I can move on to the next one. Um, yep. What I found is that when I've tried to do, and, and again, I'm still working on that, that fishing for leadership, but in the midst of that one, I started one called just one scoop. So like, again, mm. I'm great at starting things. <laughs> and so I just had to figure out how it works for me. And, and again, I'm writing one right now that the last couple of weeks of emails is called the spot method. It's called gym bro culture, how to build a gym bro culture. Mm -hmm. And it's actually going to be an ebook that I'm creating that's going to be a free ebook that people can nice. get when they sign up. But it's about it's going to be eventually like 15 pages. But if I were to sit down and write that, it wouldn't happen. Yeah. Yeah. But because I'm breaking it up into small chunks and I'm forcing myself to do this one this week, this one next week, yeah. I'm able to get it done. It might not be as quick as maybe somebody else could do it, but that's just how my brain is going to be able to process that. Absolutely. Um, so... I think that for me is why I've been able to stay consistent is because I've given myself kind of that that end date of when it needs to be finished. Because if not, again, I'm not a tenacity. My genius is invention and galvanizing. I'm not a tenacity genius person. So. Yeah. I, I love it that you are able to identify those things like within you and you're like, hey, man, this is where I stand. This is what I need, right? Like we might need to get you a ghostwriter for the bigger books and <laughs> be like, <laughs> just tell me everything. Uh, but but I want to, with that, I want to kind of cl close circle to um, the other day I was driving and uh, and I stopped for gas, went to the gas station. And then as I was waiting in the line, I'm looking through the tweet feed and I never go to Twitter, right? Like it's not a thing that I do. And I'm like, for some reason I, I was there and I remember a tweet from UNF, the university I went to, right? The soccer team are playing quarterfinals. And it was like UNF uh, onto quarterfinals against Florida Gulf Coast. And I'm like, oh, sweet. Like, that was exactly the game that we played for the semifinals when I was there. I was like, oh, that's awesome. And then he had one like, right? And I'm like, man, nobody nobody wants it until they want it, right? And I texted that to my brother, and I, and I immediately like, come to momentum, right? And, and, and what I want to lead to this is a lot of people, when they started the publishing journey, it's like nobody's going to be there to listen to you. Nobody's going to be there to like it. Nobody there is going to be there to give you feedback even, right? Maybe that one person, maybe your audience or the person that you're interviewing, maybe your business partner is going to be there. But we got to stay consistent over time. The one thing that we've seen over and over and over after each and every single interview that we've had here on the show and the people that publish these incredible books like yours or YouTubers that have been publishing for 10 years, three videos a week consistently over time, right? 
is that one thing that they stay consistent. They do it repeatedly and they work on their craft. And eventually people start wanting it, right? They didn't want it, but they want it now. And they start tagging along. And it's about that discipline, right? And finding your own consistency. How can you be consistent, right? Uh, and there's different models out there, different frameworks that people can use to kind of trigger that. You know, I remember our our own, you know, story when we first started uh, this publishing journey was like, how can we stay consistent? Well, for us was going live every single day. Like for you was the emails for us. We're also great starters. Right. And it's like, okay, just like one single video. And then it's like, okay, what, how can we evolve that? Well, now it's the show. Right. And then there's a system that comes behind because we identify that that's the, the way for us to multiply the message and leverage the, the best way possible. So I want to encourage people out there to listen to what, what Heath is saying. And then also, ask us questions about content momentum because that's exactly what, what we do. Like we help you through those pieces if you don't have it in place, um, either with the workshop or with the service. But it's like, what is that system that's gonna allow me to keep consistent and identify what, what is my strong suit? If my strong suit is putting those thoughts into where and put it out there, what is the help that I need to stay consistent, multiply those points of contact and then let people to like my thing and to want my thing. Dude, I, I've had so many ideas Heath, right now. Like, <laughs> like talking about consistency, you know, I don't know the random thought of most businesses fail is like 90% something like that of businesses fails like within the first five, uh, five years of like within the first 50 years, uh, within the first five years. And I'll immediately, this was like, a, I'm not kidding. This was like a second thought, but it was like super fast. I was like, why do they fail? Right. And the, since we're talking about consistency, I'm like, huh. Maybe it was because they weren't consistent at the one thing they were doing, right? Maybe it's because they're searching quick wins. Is it, do they have a sales system or are they actually, or are they looking for the next best uh, sales system? And they just jump from one thing to another within a, a time frame of five years. And since they never stuck with something long enough to actually figure out if it worked or not, they fail, right? And uh, that's like an epiphany moment. I wrote it here. I think I, I'm going to write an email about that, right? Uh, look at that. And then it might become yeah. a, ch a chapter of the book eventually. Go, go moment. Let's go. But <laughs> but I, I think it's so, so important. And, you know, kind of like a, at first it was an internal fight that I had with myself. And now it's something that I really try to share with people, the people that I care with and the people that I want to help is, is that commitment to consistency. Because and and I took this from from a charity book. It's called Toxic Charity. They said that when they when charities usually go to one place to help, they usually end up actually doing more damage than helping because they just come, they help them with a certain amount of things, and then they leave. And now the people are not resourceful enough to continue with solutions. Right? They become dependent. And what I've seen in the marketplace, in, you know, the info product space, all this, you know, di let's call it digital education world has been that a lot of people are just making people dependent on their information, dependent on their, their, their how-tos and all this stuff, instead of teaching people how to be resourceful. And for me, I think resourceful is highly tied to consistency. Like, if you become resourceful, you are going to... Find something that you can do long enough that you're going to find success with it or long enough to determine this thing is actually working or not. Let me pivot in the right direction. So, oh, man, like I, I think this is this is so, so important. I, I'm like super excited right now. And I think, you know, that 10 minute leadership, what you're doing, man, is is 
first is a testament to your consistent action, which is incredible. And second, you're teaching people how to be resourceful in the field of leadership so they can better not only the, their lives, but other people's lives. So I'm inspired. Thank you so much. Uh, drop the pen. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, man, thank you. And look, what you guys did, and, and Luis, I want to get back to 45 Live real quick because um, it, it, if you haven't done 45 Live, you owe it to yourself. When I don't know when the next one is, but you got to do it. For me, social media was just a, a mind numb. So it was after a long day, let me just mush my brain up and just scroll mindlessly through social media. And honestly, I was going to get rid of social media. As everybody knows, probably the last eight months, I think a lot of people want to throw social media away <laughs> yes. just with all the toxic, the toxic uh, code yeah. and just people becoming polarizing and people getting like families tearing apart because of social media. And it was like, Oh, crazy. I was like, you know what? I don't need this in my life right now. And then 45 live came along. Louise, you got, you got to do 45 live. And I was like, <laughs> Oh man, like I hadn't posted. I don't know how long. And so like, you know what? I do need to do it. And again, social media was not something that I really even took an interest in. And number one, just being consistent with, like, I remember it was like day 44. This isn't even a joke. <laughs> yeah. And I think it was like a Saturday, a Friday night or a Saturday. I was laying on the couch and it was like 10 o'clock. And I was like, ah, oh. and like, I was like, you can't <laughs> like just one more day. Like you just got to do it. So like, um, but it was the fact that I had a group. So you never want to let the group down. Uh, I had a personal connection with some of the people in that group. So I didn't want to let them down. Uh, but also I used it as a platform. I was like, well, I'm going to do it. Let me put some purpose behind it. Again, there's that P word, that purpose word. Let me put some purpose behind it. And let's see if I can't help get some momentum for the book. And uh, started doing that. And I was like, okay, it's kind of cool. And then since 45 Live, uh, it's actually turned me on to like really enjoying social media for what social media should be used for. Um, not pushing a, a narrative or pushing, you know, negativity, but really just connecting with people and letting them into your life a little bit to let them see what you're doing and hopefully maybe inspire them, motivate them. Um, but dude, 45 Live was was one of those moments for me that was, I, transformational is a big word, but transformational from the point of view of, okay, I can do content through email. Now can I do consistent content through video? Yes, okay, cool. Um, and then can I keep it up and build an audience for other things. And so that really was a catalyst to like my interest now, like I just got an Instagram. So like, you know, <laughs> um, and so like, uh, yeah, man, it's 45 live was one of those things. If you can really dive in and appreciate it, it'll change a lot of uh, about your business and who you are and kind of your view of um, social media. So you guys, Props to you, man. You guys, that's a it's a it's a such a cool program, and people should take advantage of it because uh, it, it will challenge you, but you'll also grow a lot in that 45 days with the content you put out. But I'll say this: don't go with the expectation 100 people are going to watch your live because you're going to be super disappointed. <laughs> so, yeah, I love it, man. Thank you. Ah, oh, first, thank you for those kind words. The the they're incredible and they mean so much. You have no idea. 
uh, this is why why we do it, right? Like we want to help people move forward and actually take action and stay consistent and, you know, have this kind of like epiphanies that you just had and to connect it with what I was saying before of trying to teach that consistency and resourcefulness. That's kind of like we, what we set out to do. It's like we just don't want to give a piece of information on how to and then hey, yeah, you do it right there and see if you do it or if if you stay consistent. It's like, what is the amount of support and accountability that we can offer that we can actually help people and empower them to move forward, whether we are there or not in the future, right? And man, your your words just just mean so much. So, so thank you. We, we really appreciate yeah. it. Thank you, Heath. Appreciate it, man. All right. So uh, as we wrap up the show today, oh, this was this has <laughs> been so good. Um, what is like one action point that you recommend a leader right now that is, you know, on their journey of building a business, building a team? What is something that they can do today to get in that to gain that momentum? Uh <clears throat> find a mentor, somebody who's gonna challenge you. Uh not somebody who's gonna cheer you. Mm-hmm. So Uh, I've always had people in my life who have challenged me, not cheered me on. And uh, I, one of my one of my longest term mentors, every time I talked to him, it always ended with me getting hit by a bus. And so like, <laughs> he was like, "What? well, okay, great, you did this, but what happens if you get hit by a bus tomorrow? What happens to your business? And I'm like, oh, I didn't think about that. So yeah. like, um, find somebody, find a mentor who's going to challenge you. If you haven't kind of cleared out your tape, your board of directors, maybe it's time to bring some new people onto your board and push some people to the kids table. So, uh, that would be my, that would be my first piece of advice is find a mentor who's going to challenge you really outside of your comfort zone. Yeah. That, that is a, that is a great piece of advice. First yeah. of all, we're actually in that exact yeah. situation right now where we have that one person that is like making us very uncomfortable, but progress is being made like massive progress. So, Um, yeah. thank you, Jerry. You know, that's, <laughs> yeah, I, I, lo- I love the challenge, not cheer, man. Like, and I, I don't, I'm not going to extend too much on this, but there's this story. My brother and I, we had, uh, we did a test for the coaching licenses here in the, in the U S for soccer. And we went to this camp. It was a few days. I don't even remember where it was, but I remember down South in Miami. It, it was, was in Miami. Yeah. And one day we had this group of kids and we were coaching them in certain things. Actually, I don't remember if it was, it was, it was a group of kids or us, but whatever. The point is, it was the I, other coaches. It, oh, it was the other coaches. Yeah. Yeah. And I started like cheering, like, oh, good job. Do this good stuff. I was more on the cheering side. Right. And the guy that was addressing kind of like the whole coaching, yeah. he comes to me and he tells me that's good. But are you a coach or are you a cheerleader? And I was like, oh, man, like that was first. I was tough to hear a little bit because I, I love motivating people and cheering them on. Like, yeah, you go do it. But at the same time, it got me thinking. Not at that. I, I must add, it didn't get me thinking at that exact same moment. At that exact same moment, my pride was a little bit hurt. Like, oh, man, what are you talking about? Right. It's like I, I'm a nice person. But then after that, it got me kind of like reflecting on huh, a coach is not somebody that is just cheers you on the good stuff and like points points thing here and there, but it's like he's willing to make things uncomfortable for your sake, right? Because we grow when we step into the uncomfortable. 
And you know what you just mentioned is exactly what Jerry's doing with us now. Instead of soccer, it's in the <laughs> in the business uh, side of things, and he's making us very uncomfortable. Take actions that maybe we haven't taken in the past, so we can survive that five year mark, right? And and, and move into that five percent of businesses. Um, so I think your your point is it's amazing, right? It, it's looking for those people, not that are gonna cheer. I mean, they're gonna cheer you, of course. They're gonna cheer for sure. you, and they're they're gonna uh, be excited for your success. But they're gonna be willing to put you in uncomfortable situations. Yeah. Yep. And then here's the last question, and our favorite one is: Where will you be if you did not start publishing? In your case was daily emails. In your case, you know that communication with uh, with your incredible team. Where would I be if I didn't do that? If you didn't publish, mm-hmm. man, uh, I would probably not be in a position that I'm in now to where uh, I can feel comfortable at the end of the day that I led a team correctly and that I um, because because I learn through them as well. So not only am I hoping to teach people, but I also learn from them uh, in the process of creating them. So I would probably be uh, a lot less adequate in my position um, currently if I wasn't able, if I wouldn't have done this. Um, so I don't know if that answered your question. <laughs> if, if it did to you, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. For, it, it, for, for everybody, the answer is different, but at the end of the mm-hmm. day is the progress that that people make right for example our own personal story is the same thing i don't think we've owned a, a business i don't think we've you know survived a few years i don't think we've had a team i don't think we've been helping people you know uh, i feel uh, like we're all, our only friends will be just you and i if we didn't publish <laughs> not yeah. even not we, even we've made like 95 of our friends from the online world <laughs> yeah. yeah so uh yeah definitely definitely a fun process and i highly encourage everybody like if you are a business owner and you do not publish go ahead start doing it if you want a starting point uh reach back out to us uh 45 live is becoming free in the facebook group in just a little bit there's going to be different options there but th- that's a great way to get started um you know ripping that band-aid and uh starting your publishing journey and and then if you have any questions about the book and how heath was able to turn that daily content into an incredible book reach out to him he's open to all the social media we're going to leave all the links right below heath where can people find you where can people communicate with you where they can learn more about the book yeah so uh the book's on amazon right now it's in pre-sale so just uh, go to amazon type in 10 minute leadership that's one zero uh my email is heath at 10 minute leader.com so and i mean that's that's gonna go right to me so if you guys want to reach out or have any questions or just want to touch base would love to do that yeah awesome guys please please connect with Heath. go uh sign up for his email so we you can get the 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 inside scoops on the maybe on the next books who knows and go buy his book right now go purchase it 10 minute leadership i'm not gonna spoil the surprise but there's something coming around the book and this this whole experience that Heath is putting together which is incredible so i highly encourage everybody listening go send him an email go to the website go to all his social media links and uh, support a fellow creator because uh, this journey is just starting. Ah, so, so, so good. Let's Heath, go. any last thoughts? Uh, hey, man, uh, I, you guys nail what you do on the head. You guys are perfect at it. Content mm-hmm. is profit. It is so perfect for what you guys do and what you guys help other people do. So if you need help with content, these guys are in no shortage of that. 
Thanks, man. Appreciate thank you. it. Gong moment and, uh, and every, everything. All right, guys. With that said, thank you so much for tuning into the Content's Profit Podcast. Go ahead and follow the show in your favorite platform and follow us on social media at BizBrosCo. That is right. And if you find this episode impactful and is helping you move one step closer to your goal, please don't forget to share it and, and leave a five-star review. Thank you. Bye, guys.